0: I'm Harry Nichols, this is Kid Stuff. Way back in October of 2021, I put out a brand new EP all about my work dealing with and empathizing with middle school kids. To go deeper on the subject, I am now sitting down with uh, friends from all walks of my creative life. We talk about their own adolescence, how they came to be the people that they are today, and why adolescence matters. Today I got a chance to sit down with John Carter, who runs New Vine Records. Uh, John is a great dude and somebody that I have repeatedly run into uh, and who is working with so many, many artists that I really, really have a ton of respect for. Um, His audio and video editing is professional and sleek and looks really, really cool, Um, and it's always exciting to see him do new stuff, so I was really glad to have somebody to sit down with and talk to who is not just an artist uh, in this field, but somebody who's kind of like actively masterminding something in the indie music scene. So I had a great chance to talk to him, and I'm really looking forward to showing you the conversation. If you want to hear the Kid Stuff EP, all of my music is found at the link in the show notes. You can also go to harrynichols.bandcamp.com. And I think that just about covers it for today. So let's talk to John. All right, John Carter, thank you for joining me in Absolutely. the classroom
1: yeah we're here at the classroom with the these classroom, strange oblong desks everywhere
0: yes it's, it's yeah awesome. yeah for yeah. people for people who can't see uh we were just having a conversation before you joined us mm-hmm. um,
1: about Behind the scenes.
0: yeah about uh we all we have these weird triangular shaped desks in here now because t- I'm teaching in the future now
1: yeah it's it's definitely got a futuristic vibe, it's almost like a periodic table on you know yeah ceiling. it's uh yeah it's like it's it's you know.
0: Or like a hive. It feels like a oh hive yeah, to that's me what too. it's like, like.
1: Honey, it's like a honeycomb in here. Yeah, a honeycomb of learning.
0: Yeah, is what's going on. Definitely learning. <laughs> learning is definitely what's going on in here. Yeah. I try. I try to. I try to think. I try to feel that. Yeah, way. it looks like it's fun
1: learning though. <laughs> Thank you. This is not what I grew up in. I oh can wow. Tell you that
0: well. Yeah. So so what did you grow up? What do you remember of the of the spaces wow. you learned in as a as a kid?
1: I, man, I hated school. Okay, I never fit into it. I was always the kid wandering the halls, mm-hmm. ending up in the basement playing the guitars, sneaking off into the art room. Mm-hmm. Um I just was not they conformism doesn't suit my personality. Sure, yeah. I'm not a conformist. Um and honestly, I kind of felt like I was uh I don't know, kind of a cast, you know, I was cast out of the culture of it and I felt kind of like lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a weird school was a weird thing for me. If it wasn't for a couple awesome teachers sure. in that process, uh, I probably wouldn't
0: have gotten through it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So I want to ask you about those teachers in a little bit, yeah. I, but I also want to talk about like this idea of like conforming mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, I yeah. think it's something that at least we hear in City School District yeah, are right. trying to be more cognizant of, you know, this idea that like, I don't know how true it is, but there's there have been a bunch of like TED Talks that have gone around the teacher mm-hmm. circles about how this school, type of philosophy. Would, yeah, yeah, well, just about how school used to be what was literally was shaped around creating factory workers you mm-hmm. know and oh, so yeah. you kind of come and go on a bell mm-hmm. you like line up there's like a you know there's like a lunch time like that and yeah. just how inapplicable that is to lots of kids just by their very nature mm-hmm. but also how like un- unengaging that is for any yeah. kid really you know i was completely bored um
1: i felt like <laughs> i can share a story please yes okay, let's so go I, I, I had a uh, history teacher um, who set us on an assignment to create a letter from a slave okay. uh, and to his master or her master. Um, uh, this was Mrs. Place. Uh, okay. I probably shouldn't use names. You know? That's okay. We've changed but names to protect the innocent.
0: People are, I, I could, I could bleep it up. But People, sometimes yeah. people take out like a kind of a joy and just be like. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I want to grind on Mrs. Place a little bit.
1: Uh, not in the physical sense, but. Um, right. Sure. So, yeah. so I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. I, sure. I, I, I'm getting all these ideas. I, I, I go home. For the first time in a while, I want to do homework, you know? I skip G.I. Joe and Transformers, and I get right to it. Right. And I write up this amazing, what I considered at the time in my, you know, 12-year-old mind. Right, okay. Historically accurate letter from a slave to his or her master. Okay. And I literally just kind of wrote it like I couldn't really write. And then I took fire, and I burned the edges, and I... I made it dirty and trampled down like I found a piece of paper under my bed. That's my picture of what this letter would be. Mm-hmm. And I bring it in, and uh, I'm expecting to get like put in the front of the class. <laughs> right. and everybody's like, wow, this kid's amazing. He's so creative. And she pulls me out at after the class and says, John, Ruddle, garbage in, garbage out, and literally tossed it at me.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: with a big, big red... You know, scribbles all over it and yeah and i was like i I'm, i just folded yeah i just folded
0: oh my god! And,
1: and and i tried to like defend myself i'm like i did this and she's just like i don't want to hear it
0: so so yeah. what was her i'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you yeah no that's fine hear. yeah what was her exact uh, objection to your to your? Pro- did she give you like reasons or was well,
1: it just yeah, like, I did, this I, is shit <laughs> you know i tried to reason with it and and she thought i just kind of she made an assumption that I just didn't want to do it. And I just kind of did something possibly snide or maybe like, you know, Oh sure. I'll, I'll do this. And, and when in all reality, it was a very intentional, right. Creative thing that I was trying to do. Um, Oh, I see. So she took the I had the, a lot of stereotypes of slaves in my head too. Right. And it probably wouldn't have been a good time for her to kind of enlighten me. Be like,
0: hey, yeah. yeah right, you know. Right, of course. Well, and I, I mean I think that, you know, if if we're talking about stereotypes and, and things like that, I think that sounds like a definitely a like a like a late twentieth century yeah. type project. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I definitely so I taught with people who uh would do activities like like Often about teaching slavery for some reason, maybe the teachers felt like they were, they were like building empathy. This person that I'm talking about mm. would have students like reenact mm. the conditions mm. on the ships coming from okay. Africa yeah. to the to the United States, and she would like section off with with masking tape, you know, an area on the ground that was roughly as big as like these these the enslaved people had. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, then have students kind of reenact it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So, you know, like they say that you always remember the stuff that you do more Mm -hmm. than the stuff that you just like write about or read about. I'm a a believer in that. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. It's just it's one of those things where when I think back on it, the more I reflect on it, I'm like, "Mm, hmm, I I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I
1: think Mrs. Place probably did have the right attitude about That as I reflect upon it. But man, she had an old school way of dealing with kids. Yeah. And it was just brutal. And I she really thought I was goofing off. Yeah.
0: A lot of these conversations that I have uh, with people tend to center on um, the things that kids experience with other kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've definitely touched on a few times um, the ways that adults interact with kids. But like adults, you're totally right. Adults. Can be so fucking mean to, yeah. to young teenagers, and uh,
1: I, yeah, especially then. I, I feel like they just had carte blanche freedom yeah. to do so. I mean,
0: oh sure, yeah, I'm, I'll make it. Yeah, like
1: and no adult acceptable. ever got. It was acceptable. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I I kind of feel like there was, and I hate to say this, I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah, I I think there was more structure. Yeah, then when it was this conformist kind of like routine, sure thing, right. Um, and and it did feel like there was more safety and peace in the process. Okay. Uh, to me Mm -hmm. as a kid, it seems a little chaotic right now. Like I think it's better in some ways, uh, to create pathways for kids, Mm -hmm. uh, in a more creative bent and also being more open to how kids are wired today.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's,
1: it's definitely like everybody's different and we can't just, you know, pigeonhole these kids. Right. So, um, but yeah, they were mean. Let's sure. just say
0: all that to say they were, they the were, were, well, they're the adults. Well, the adults are mean to the to the kids who step out of those yeah. out of the line of that structure. Oh, yeah. that it was like
1: military about. in a way. It, yeah, it, definitely.
0: It, it, or a jail. Definitely. <laughs> well, and I think that it also that's so that's also not the first time I've heard that either. Well, it's like which a is penitentiary. Totally yeah, it's totally true. Yeah. Like you like line up, you know, and <laughs> <Right>. you like <laughs> take attendance. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> P- um, papers,
1: please. In the hallway. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It felt. I mean, I didn't know it was when I was a kid. But it felt mm. like jail. Yeah. Um, and you don't know that. And then you kind of have this jail mentality. Right. A little bit. It doesn't encourage you to be an individual. Right. Yeah. And you, you've heard the, you know, how, how these people in jail for 20 years, they get out and they revert back to wanting to be back in jail. Right. Recidivism and things. And yeah. it's, it's like they're training people to kind of depend on a system.
0: Right. In oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that that's necessarily an accident. You know what I mean? I, right. I, yeah. Um. Not that not that I have like a, any kind of grand conspiracy theories about it, but like, um, yeah. You know, yeah. I do think that that is definitely, definitely a true thing. I I think that to to return to some of this, you were you were saying how it, it seems chaotic, and I I think I agree. You know what I mean? I think I agree that it is a little chaotic right now, especially. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, especially with the pandemic and things. Um. Have really made things a little bit um, up in the air mm-hmm. uh, as, ter- as far as far the, the structure. So, of so the do you feel day.
1: like the pendulum has swung too far <clears throat> the other way in, I th- in this? Or?
0: I think that it it certainly feels that way at times, yeah. but I, I do think that it's also a symptom of um, change that that is like in progress. You know, like I, I think right. that new structures are forming, and mm-hmm. we're in an awkward period now where the old structure which you know worked for some people but really really not for other people. Right. And so I think mm-hmm. I think what school is trying to be is more accepting of those outside perspectives, but you know the question then becomes how do you structure an education mm-hmm. taking in a, a multiplicity of perspectives and backgrounds and things yeah. and and make that both structured and genuinely meaningful, you know. I think, it's yeah, tough. I think
1: balance is the hardest thing to achieve in just about anything you do. I'm sure it's gonna kind of find a good balance, right? Yeah, you know, over time, and it right because it was so different, it, it was incredibly different,
0: yes. And and yeah. I, I remark on that to myself like almost every single day that yeah. I'm in this building, you know, yeah. whenever, um. Uh, you know, and and not always at bad things. You know, like we mm-hmm. we have there. There are different things that that take place that I that I'm really in strong support of. We we have um, every Wednesday in the building. We've cut out classes in the morning, okay, and wow. uh, students have special programming in hour long blocks, and it's just like kind of whatever whoever in the district wants to run a session, and the sessions are all different things. There are sessions that are like, you know, make pancakes with this teacher over here, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was um, a rally to raise awareness for LGBTQ rights and stuff in Mm -hmm. the auditorium one day, there was, uh, you know, I've done like a beat making thing uh, with like little free online, you know, tools and and gadgets and things. And so it's like very student interest directed. And and so that change, you know, I I kind of, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's, while it still allows for some chaos you still get kids taking advantage of it running crazy through the hallways not doing what they're supposed to do right right i still feel like that's that's a step in a better direction mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. to including those kind of different mentalities Tell me about New Vine. Okay. Tell me how you, how you came to form New Vine. You know, it's funny we're talking about um, formative years. Sure. Um,
1: New Vine is kind of, uh, it's, it's a sense, it came from a sense of injustice uh, as an artist. I, I found that there's not a space for uh, the headwaters of creativity, uh, for... Finding new creative people and giving them a space to develop um, at the at the heart of who I am, i I, I am kind of a teacher. I want to mm-hmm. give people an opportunity to develop and I, so artist development is something in the industry of music that's kind of kind of bypassed, and mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, they kind of go for the really big talent. but I think the blue collar artist is uh, a fixture in our country that should exist, sure. Um, I think indigenous music, and I use that word very carefully because I know it means a lot of different things. It it means what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, But, okay, let's just say local music or regional music. Right. All should reflect the culture that we're in. It should speak stories and liturgy liturgy about who we are as a people Mm -hmm. in our regions. And how can you do that and develop that cultural richness uh, if all we're doing is putting on pedestals these super talents Mm. that, you know, there's five of them in the right, world. Right. Uh, and when I was a kid in school, um, I didn't feel like I had that space. You know, I didn't, a lot of kids around me maybe were orchestral or they had some kind of training and ended up at Juilliard or different places. And I, I felt like I had that inside of me, but I didn't have the opportunity uh, to be developed. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started producing artists and it just was a very natural thing. Uh, or, you know, from 2000 up and building studio spaces and, and found that I really liked doing more than just giving people a production. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of their journey, right? Um, and it developed into a, kind of like a pseudo label. We're not a god style label from the top down, expecting money back from artists. We're more like a not for profit, finding money mm-hmm. to give new artistry an opportunity to develop.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's really amazing. Thanks. And would your would your teenage self have suspected that? You would be doing this, or do you think that he would have been surprised? At, and Or how would he feel about it? Um, my
1: teenage self would have uh never have understood. <laughs> I think at the time I actually picked up a guitar because I wanted girls to like me, sure, uh, when I started, you know, didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of uh, like as I said, primitive in my mindset in my protozaic form, but uh, you know, I don't know. I think I was responding to people who were of that mind. Okay. And those people uh, deposited something in me that I carry. Yeah. So uh, it kind of was like a seed that was dormant Mm -hmm. and then became what it did in my 30s.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah. And so New Vine kind of took off when you were doing your 30s, when you were in your 30s. Yeah. In
1: my 30s, I was working at a radio network and I was making pretty good money. Mm -hmm. And um, I was producing out of my basement with people. Uh, Because the industry was kind of becoming very independent and DIY at the time. So I found a lot of work. Yeah, Um, And it was getting in the way of my actual job to the point where I just had to make a choice. Was I going to do that or was I going to do this? And that's when I decided to do the studio uh, thing and um, ended up in Ithaca. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a radical, risky thing. But yeah, that's that's when in my 30s it started to come to mind and and thoughts were developing. Got you. How am I going to do this? Um, because it's more than just buying a studio because at the time, to be honest with you, 2008 to 2012, you were the dumbest person on earth to go and buy a studio. Yeah, well, to you go know?
0: and buy any property in 2008 was like, right. yeah. On <laughs> top of that, I bought a studio. You know, right,
1: It's right, like a dinosaur right. in the industry. And, sure. Um, but it, it was basically because I didn't just want to do studio work. I wanted to be a part of a music scene yeah. and develop with a community.
0: Tell me about the bands that you were in as a kid. Like, what, oh boy. what kinds of
1: music? There's some what, embarrassing things. Nah, hey, man. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. All right. So, um, I was in a group called uh, White uh, Lightning. I was also in a group called Nightmare, oh, but sick. like a knight riding on a black horse. Oh, um. That's so... <laughs>
0: Both of those things are so metal. I, it was so, so metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I
1: was totally into the Prague, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Dream Theater. From you know, the range was from uh, Rush to Dream Theater to Megadeth and okay. you know Judas Priest. I yeah. mean that, um, which Judas Priest was very underrated. They, I agree. Oh yeah, I love. Yeah. Some, I love Painkiller is one Priest. of the craziest songs. <laughs> Metal experience,
0: yeah, and Iron Maiden was like the staple. Sure, wow. and music. so these were actual metal bands. Like you were, you were in metal bands. Yeah, we're was?
1: doing a lot of covers, but we were learning, and then of course we were developing. Uh, sure, like chops and trying to figure out our music. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. in yeah. my
0: parents' basement. Yep, that's the most metal of places. Oh, amazing!
1: You know? It's literally like the quintessential ideal of what it was like. You know, you watch Stranger Things and. You know, they didn't have anything about bands in there, which I was disappointed.
0: That is disappointing. Maybe yeah. in season four, there will be they should tap one of them into will that. Be yeah. in a band <laughs> with a demogorgon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, see, guys, we're not all bad. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, I literally made an
1: airbrush t shirt at uh, in uh, on the boardwalk in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey. Hell yeah. And I wore it almost every day to school.
0: And was this a nightmare t shirt? It was, was a, a
1: nightmare t shirt. A white lightning t shirt. It, it was both. I think I had both i got oh, sick at, i definitely got
0: made fun of but i didn't give a fuck yeah I, it
1: was my shirt i created this thing i was in this band and that's it, pretty that's yeah.
0: pretty dorky man i <laughs> i i feel <laughs> sorry, oh, so, I just, dude, just no, call it I like was, a season super dorky. yeah uh i every now and then i wear i wear uh my noon 15 t-shirt to school or or something and yeah and i i always have like a little moment of like Uh, should i should i be wearing this shirt but i guess at the end of the day i just i don't care either (laughs) except one time uh my buddy who teaches down the hall was just like ah doing a little self-promoting there and i was just like (laughs) well now i'm embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) i feel like when i was coming up and i think we were coming up in in slightly different times because i'm 34 so Mm -hmm. you were you were like a decade before me you would have been in high school um the better time, yeah, right. I feel like I feel like there were a lot of bands when I was in high school. Like mm-hmm. a lot of kids were forming bands. Yeah. Um, I also felt like it was a time when rock and roll music and its aesthetic was kind of repopularized. I don't want to say it like became a fad again, but it it, it kind of like it was remarketed to sure. to young people again. Like you got things like. The movie School of Rock. You had oh, yeah. things. You had like. When did that come out? When you how old like 2004? Remember,
1: how old were you at that?
0: I was definitely in high school. I want to
1: say tenth or eleventh grade. I watched that with my kids. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that it's a was great movie. Oh, it it was again the word formative. Uh, don't want to overuse it, but my kids were sired on School of Rock. Yeah, I and mean, it was like a it was a big deal in our household. So, it's
0: like yeah. it's like peak Jack Black. He's like he's uh, he turned the charm on to Max. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, he's just doing, actually, it's, so his character in School of Rock has kind of turned, like, really heavily influenced the way I behave in a classroom, Yeah, you know? Rock ain't about doing things perfect. Who can tell me what it's really about? Frankie.
2: Uh, scoring chicks?
0: No. no. See? No. Leonard.
2: Sticking it to the man?
0: Yes. But you can't just say it, man. You gotta feel it in your blood and guts. If you want to rock, you gotta break the rules. You gotta get mad at the man. And right now I'm the man. That's right, I'm the man. And who's got the guts to tell me off? Huh? Who's gonna tell me off?
2: Shut the hell up, Schneebly.
0: That's it, Freddy.
2: You're a fat loser and you have body odor.
0: All right. All right. Now is everyone nice and pissed off? Yeah. Good, time to write a rock song. Now what makes you mad more than anything in the world? Billy. You. Billy, we've already told me off. Let's move on.
3: You're tacky, and I hate you.
0: Okay, you see me after class.
1: Yeah, I mean, it to me that the sense of injustice about creatives not having a space. Right. I, that movie was just tickled me pink. I mean, it was. This is such a cool thing. You it know? is. And, yeah. Um, why can't there be that kind of
0: thing in school? Exactly.
1: Because music class was boring when sure. I was in school. You, know? you got
0: to play the recorder.
1: Yeah. Oh, they recorder made me play sucks. a baritone. That sucked. <laughs> I wanted to play trumpet, of course not. They stick me on a baritone. A
0: baritone. Yeah.
1: And I even learned it in the treble clef because I was a rebel and I you wanted were... to play trumpet. <laughs> and The sheet music it, was ridiculous. You made it everything so much a, harder than it had to be. I did. But I did it on purpose to piss off my teacher, Mr. Right. Jones. And that guy was a freak. He, <laughs> he lost it every time there was a class. Oh, I
0: mean, Really? screaming. Oh, oh Well, the
1: kids in class were rough, but... Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. I had a teacher that would do that as well. Yeah. We should... We're on tangent of tangent of tangent. There's <laughs> so many things I want to touch <laughs> touch base on, but... Um, I'm digging it. I had a teacher who would also... Like, he wouldn't lose it every class. Yeah. But it was definitely very regular. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. like periodic. It was, I'd say once a quarter, maybe. Oh, yeah. He would like, and it was always the same move. He would always like, It was a <laughs> chorus teacher, and he would always slam his hands down on a, a music stand. That's and crazy. Push it all the way to the ground. Mr.
1: Jones kind of had a similar move. It was, yeah. but what he did is he grabbed the stool and, yeah. And, just rushed oh, into the ground. Man. And I just remember his bald head turning so red. <laughs> and I couldn't help. I actually felt bad for him. Yeah. But I couldn't help but laugh because it well, was because so... Because it's so fucking ridiculous. funny. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous, <laughs> you know? And it just chided the... You know, it was always the rhythm section, too. It was, it was yeah. the guys in the drum pit that mm. did it, uh, you
0: know? Those people are never paying attention. Oh, they never are. In They're fact, never. most
1: drummers in any other rehearsal I've ever been in hate being there. Yeah. <laughs> for the most right. part. Right, <laughs> of
0: course. So if I sat in on a... I, I'm just so glad that that universal truth remains the same that the that the percussionists are just like never paying attention because no. I sat in on a, a an orchestra rehearsal this past year when yeah. the orchestra teacher had to be out unexpectedly <laughs> and just let them because they're they're orchestra kids they're good they run their own rehearsals yep, basically, yep. Um, but it was definitely true that <laughs>
1: well they always seem <laughs> the to the have the cool factor, factor too like, it's yeah. like you know they always had the cool hair and it just they were just chill, right? You know? and, right.
0: And I'm just dorky
1: kid on a baritone. I'm like, fuck. Right. What am I? Doing? Right. I want to play something else. Please let me play. I, I would. I wanted to play. Uh, I wanted to be a saxophone player. I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But they just wouldn't afford the opportunity. They wouldn't
0: let you. No. I had a pretty epic teacher meltdown when I was in high school. Yeah. That I remember. Uh, maybe you. Maybe you have some others you remember as well. It's always so interesting to see a teacher really fucking lose it. And I. And I like. I try not to. I yeah. try really hard not to. And yeah, I Yeah,
1: because you can't you can't outlive that.
0: You can't You'll never live it down. You end up looking like the hugest dong yeah. like, in yeah. the room, you yeah. know? And you can't not because you can't be articulate. You're not gonna get through to them at that point. You right. know? You're you're just making a spectacle of yourself at yeah. that point. You know um that's
1: incredible resilience on your part especially the kids today i think they just kind of smell it in the air they man. do and i yeah. have lost it a
0: couple of times this yeah. year on some classes uh and i always feel like such a dipshit afterwards but um so this one time uh in high school we had this food fight yeah and food fights are very rare in my high school i don't okay. know if you actually experienced more Old of that couple. but yeah oh yeah so we had an actual full-on like food fight and our principal who was a chode came in to, <laughs> to break it up and principal chode it, it has such a good <laughs> ring to it.
1: <laughs> it sounds like a South Park character.
0: Can you imagine if oh, yeah. if he that was his actual name? Uh, nobody would nobody would take that seriously. Um, nobody took him serious anyway. anyway. Everybody,
1: please yeah. welcome Principal Chode. Principal K. Okay.
0: <laughs> chode, <laughs> right? Um, Sorry, no, you're right. South though. Park so anyway, apartment. he came in. And he's yelling and screaming and. Like he's talking about, it. he's like, ah, oh, you kids are out of control. I'm all fired up, and he grabs this this plastic lunch tray, and he dumps the food out of it into the garbage, and he tries to break it over his knee, <laughs> but it's a plastic food tray. It doesn't break. It doesn't just snap like a twig. No, you know what I mean? No. And so it didn't work at all. Dude. And so he had to then recover from that, yeah. and he just kind of tossed it, you know, oh. and went on with his rant. He
1: made he made a he made a. Crucial decision not to break his kneecap right. and throw the tray <laughs> right. still in a, in a way that, you know, describes his anger. That's, right. Right. Because you could think he could try again. Right? I would have gone for the second round, I'd, you know, but I like, you know, you would have gone for a attempted. But then if it didn't yeah. work, oh, then it would really have been a better yeah. And all of them would have remembered that you know shit man, the rest of their lives that's the problem with being in front of kids right, right. this is the rest of their life they're gonna remember this, this that's shit right. you know? that's right. it's like you're on a stage that you've never been on before because these kids will never forget it that's right yeah that's right
3: yeah. he
0: you're right and and but to, and to, to that to that point about remembering it through the generations mm. the tray was not thrown away. It was reused and recycled. And you always knew when you got the tray because yeah. there was a massive white stress mark down the middle of <laughs> oh it. God. And so no way. <laughs> it became like like a, pr- a, a good luck thing. You know name? what I mean? Like what? his name was Scott Bianich.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a bummer of a name.
0: <laughs>
1: Scott Bitch.
0: Scott Bia Bia I got the Biach tray. That's right. He um he was he was he was memorialized in some of the high school bands because there was a band, uh, it was like one of our one of our hardcore bands that was called uh, Poison Scott. Poison Scott. And and that's why they took their name because <laughs> they hated him so fucking much. That's that, like, so funny. Yeah. Do you have any other memories of um, of teachers that like just like were etched forever in your mind as like what a massive twat?
3: Oh, like?
1: you know, there was a guy. He was a earth science teacher. We called him Slurpy yeah. because he would every time at the end of a sentence he'd he'd go and he would slurp. Oh, and I, you know, that sticks. With yeah. Me. Yes. Um. And he he didn't like being there. Uh. He didn't well, like being there. But you know what's funny? I liked history and I liked science. Yeah. I and art and those are the only things I cared about. Mm-hmm. But, um. Yeah, I could tell he didn't he didn't like it, but he was, we called him old Slurpee. Old Slurpee. And he, he got mad. He would get mad, but not in yeah. the same way that Mr. Jones did. I mean, nah. that guy outshone everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so interesting. There are some things that as a teacher, you just kind of can't mm-hmm. be because the kids can't see past it. You know? Yeah. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's something like that, like a quirk. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm sure he had some kind of like Condition where you, like yeah. you just had you know like some kind of
1: yeah that that's it's hard because you don't want to make fun of something like right. that but you're a kid but and you're a kid and
0: you kids will are yeah freaking cruel they're man. so mean they, yeah. they go right for the jugular you they know? do
1: they, they see it a mile away and it's like oh yeah they find they know how to
0: find <laughs> the one thing you've been insecure about your entire life yep. and they just go for it you oh know? yeah
1: and they'll do it when they're six.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they'll just
1: rip you apart. They'll just destroy you on the spot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Except when they're teenagers, then they're smart enough to do it. There's a. Yeah. Do you listen to John Mulaney? Have oh you ever no, heard of John Mulaney? I, I should. Yeah, he's a standard yeah. comedian. He has yeah. this joke about how eighth. Oh, graders, Mulaney. Yeah, 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 I know who he is. Yeah, he has a joke about how eighth graders are the meanest people in the world because eighth graders will make fun of you and be right and be right about it. You <laughs> right? know what I mean? That like, sounds yeah. like John Mulaney. Yeah. yeah.
1: There was one more teacher. Uh, John Kikura. Um, Guys had probably had two heart attacks. Oh my god. By the point I this was third grade. Mm-hmm. I remember this vividly. And uh he was always sneaking candy in the oh, middle geez. of class. And I <laughs> okay. I remember yeah. like constantly looking over and the guy was down in chocolate and just like yeah. pulling it out of the desk. And, oh man. And then we find out he died of
0: a heart attack. Oh. Yeah. That, like in the school year he died of a heart attack? Uh, it was
1: during the time I was in elementary school. Oh
0: jeez. Poor yeah. guy.
1: Yeah. That's, That's probably rough. not funny or it's pretty (laughs) horrible, actually. But, you know, he was one of those other teachers that called me out in class. I was drawing in class. right? And he um, grabbed it from me and put it up on the front of uh, his desk sure, with a sign that said uh, something that was kind of indirectly derogatory toward kids that are unproductive. And, uh, yeah, I didn't like it. What did it say, dude? I can't remember, but I was embarrassed and not happy that he did it. um, Yeah. And felt... And I was... To be honest with you, math is my worst subject. Yeah. I couldn't memorize my times tables for anything. Yeah. I've got something up there that doesn't work.
0: Same. Yo. Yeah. Same, dude. Yeah, like very frustrating. <clears throat> so
1: it, he's, he sticks out to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. It's, such a, it's such an interesting thing because like you really got a glimpse into like s- some of the darkness of like the adult world there. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Um, well,
1: that's what a lot of these nostalgic movies are about, like a, Christ- a Christmas story. Yeah, sure. It's a kid's perspective of the darkness of right. really screwed up
0: adults. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. And
1: John Kakura was one of those guys. Absolutely. I mean, that dude is yeah. like,
0: he must have been, he's, you know, was, I, I can't diagnose the guy, but sounds like he was kind of an addict of some kind, he was you depressed. know, like a depressed. He was, yeah, I could or, yeah. tell.
1: I didn't know what it was, you know. Yeah, sure. I,
0: yeah. Right. Yeah, and looking back every now and then, I have I have one of those revelations where I, mm-hmm. I think back to some of the quirky teachers that I had and with my adult knowledge, something finally gets put together. I'm like, oh, oh that person was an alcoholic. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, Yep. Th- it's actually, so that's kind of colored how I, so I, something, this is kind of sidebar, uh, something that most people did when they were kids that I didn't do until, uh, like, literally just the past couple of years is uh, read the Harry Potter books. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. And I am incapable of reading it now from the perspective of like Harry or Ron or Hermione. And all I can really do as a reader is read into the lives of the adult characters. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think my favorite character in Harry Potter is like Hagrid. Yeah. Because that dude is just such a lot of baggage. A Lot of baggage. He's so <laughs> flawed. Yeah. And so human. And yeah, like yet so like lovable and well meaning, but like yep. Well, he was just... humble
1: because he had been so destroyed.
0: Right, yeah. And
1: I think he had empathy. Right. Uh you know, for the loser. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah. And I man, that's so funny. I, I love the Harry Potter uh series and yeah. my kids, I um we all grew up on it reading and watching and um yeah it, it all these teachers had these uh backstories of yeah like, severe pain right well you know or mm-hmm. hidden pain yeah. uh i forgot the guy who was the the journalist who thought so highly of himself and right. it was oh, revealed shit. that he was just
0: he's a tool a liar yeah, yeah. he's a total liar oh the guy uh the, the guy who writes, like, the, the books about his adventures yes. in the wizarding world yeah. and then turns out to be a total fraud total in the fraud. second book. Total fraud. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I forget him, too. And Listeners was, at home, maybe it, you remember. No, it was always – Shout it out. Yeah,
1: let us know. Um, it was also – and also the guy, you know, whoever took the position of the dark arts right. had some weird, horrible, jaded past. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like right. kids looking at that adulthood. and Yeah. Right. You're, you're right. I never really thought about that.
0: It's all I can I, – I can't, I can't read it. To, and empathize with the kids at all. Huh. Like, all I can all I can think about is the adults in that series. Well,
1: J.K. Rowling, as much as, uh, you know, I mean, there's stuff going on in the news uh, with her. Sure. Um, and, it, you know, for whatever the, all that is, she has a genuine uh, story Definitely. of abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was getting that out on paper.
0: Yeah, you think so?
1: Oh, totally. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, those stories are kind of like parts of her life sure. that she was, like, getting out
3: mm Yeah.
1: You know? I, I know there's not a lot of empathy for her right now, but, you know, <laughs> well, I think,
0: um, yeah, no, you don't need to necessarily have empathy for like her persp- like her or her uh, views. But like mm-hmm. I, I do kind of believe and, you know, I have the privilege to be able to easily believe this, but um, I do believe that when possible, it's best to separate the artist from I agree you know like the person that they are from the art that they create absolutely you know um
1: because there's good there Um, yeah for sure I mean, all the people that we spend millions of dollars on these paintings they were horrible people absolutely yeah (laughs) absolutely if you ever really read and it's the stuff that comes to light on that stuff is like oh my god sure this guy was a horrible person
0: sure my favorite novelist is Ernest Hemingway Mm -hmm. you know um and he was a fucking monster. Yeah, you know, I love the Beatles and and John Lennon, but he hit his wife and was yeah. pretty horrible all told. You know, pretty dark. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, it's I think it's worth keeping those things in mind for sure, especially when evaluating their their work. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, can definitely guide a person to
1: well, no, and the Harry
0: Potter series <clears> is still on. It'll, I'll never. I'll never part from it it's, No I don't think you, And I don't think incredible. we need to And yeah. I, Because I also don't think That the things that she um, You know So she For people who don't know J.K. Rowling uh, Went on some Twitter rant This was a while ago yeah. About um, A very transphobic Twitter right. rant Or something yeah. um, But I don't think Necessarily that those views Are are represented In the themes of Her work
1: No I, I think In fact there's uh, The opposite Right. And embracing of the strange and the weird. And Definitely. People who are different. Definitely. Um, that's why everybody identifies with the movie. Sure. And yeah. there's
0: a massive, you know, like anti-fascist allegory. There's a, yep. you know, a big, um, you know, like lots of allusions to like... Uh, you know racism scapegoating the holocaust that kind of thing that can very very right. easily be drawn that i don't think anybody would necessarily argue with no anybody you know that you need to No it's starting
1: right. to watch the movie because of that you right know, exactly the, the whole theme from the beginning of this conversation is finding a place where you belong right and yeah i think and that's, that's what harry potter's about he was a right. kid that didn't have a home uh he was different and he mm-hmm. didn't know why right uh and hogwarts was the release valve for sure. for his differences and it was I would never forget the line, you know, in the movie and the books. You can argue for better, but the movie is pretty great. And he he has this moment when he walks into this tent that expands mm-hmm. from small to huge when he walks in. And he's like, "I love magic."
0: Yeah, yeah. And it basically says, "I'm I'm home." You know, I feel sure. I feel at home. Sure. You know? So yeah, it's very interesting too because this just became like a, a lit crit podcast about Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> it's part B, anyway. right? right. Um, it's very interesting too because like. It, it, in many ways, I think part of the struggle for Harry to fit in is uh, about coming into this world. The world of Harry Potter is so pre-established by the adults, you mm-hmm. know, um, especially Hogwarts. Those people are people Tradition. who were there as yep. kids. Mm-hmm. They built relationships with one another. Mm-hmm. They broke down relationships. All that interpersonal stuff yeah. is like very much built into the patchwork of the school, right? You know, and so Harry Potter is coming in as somebody who has been outside of that. From all of his waking life, yeah, you know, and coming into and figuring out where he fits in it, yeah, you
1: know? yeah, and uh, even within that construct, uh, he found resistance, definitely a oh, lot yeah. of it. Um, and I, I find that interesting. I mean, uh, I, I felt that, uh, I, I felt that in musical communities, yeah, uh, where I feel like I should feel at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, but
0: you know, it, but you don't, or or.
1: Uh, no, I have. I, I feel like for the first time I've uh, in Ithaca, mm-hmm. uh, I feel more at home in, a, in an artistic community than I ever have.
0: You've got four kids, I do. Um, one of them is Hannah. Yep. Right? Yep. Who is in a wonderful band called Leo in the May Days? Yep. Shout out, Hannah. Kiss
2: me hard
3: before you go, so
0: tell me what it's like, and you produced that album. Right? I did, yeah. Um, what was it like? So those are songs... She's how old now? She's 23. Okay. Uh, So those are songs that are, you know, definitely like a product of, um, you know, like a different phase of life, I'd say, than Mm -hmm. you're currently in. Totally. I am currently raising my children to be creative people, but they're too little, really, to express themselves in Mm -hmm. song. I mean, what was it like to hear the songs that your daughter wrote... Mm -hmm. Um From your perspective, yeah uh and to you know help cultivate that record that ultimately became freshman well, um I like her music,
1: and I genuinely wanted when I heard her start to write mm-hmm. to be a part of it, yeah, and it's a little weird because I'm her dad, I'm sure, um, but I was like that just like you oh, can I be a part of this right, you know, I, I know, I yeah. love what you're doing and and she it, it was a little awkward to be sure. honest between us like dad and it, she finally accepted I'm cool
0: well it's so hard <laughs> i i just want to jump in here i want you to finish yeah, it yeah. Uh, it's so hard to as a parent to know how how high to turn up the enthusiasm sure. and and to, how hard to push to yeah. get you know to 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 get what you want the kid to get out of it but also like what you kind of want to get out of right cuz you want to be a part yeah. of that experience too you want to have this like this sharing experience of like Yeah,
1: I've felt like the luckiest guy in the world to be able to um, play on a stage with my daughter. Sure. Um, And we've done it from everything in a sacred religious context and worship uh, to actually just writing music um, in a secular sense. Right. Um, And we all grew up in 80s music together in our home. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're huge fans of that era of music. Sure. And so uh, when she started writing, it just kind of naturally fell into place. Right. Um, We've definitely had knockout, drag out, creative differences. Definitely. And uh what I had to learn to allow her to to, to flourish. Yeah. And to take a back seat to that. Then mm-hmm. that's been a huge process for me. Yeah. Um and uh it's been good.
0: It's been good. I like serving her vision. Do you see any of yourself in like some of the lyrics? Like do you when you hear some of the lyrics, do you like see what, did, your did, did like you, did you did you notice? Self? That? No, no. I, I uh <laughs> Well it was,
1: since you asked, um, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, there's, okay. there's there's one song called um, on. It's called "We Talk Until We Fight." I love that song.
0: it's a great song. oh that's about you too it's about us too oh my god yeah. i had no idea it's about okay. us fighting um and it it's you
1: know text battles uh yeah. just about boyfriend stuff or sure you know sure. being being a dad you know and that that was a learning process for me to kind of learn how to back off you know yeah um, sure and she articulated that and, and and it's probably my favorite song on track
0: it's a great on the it's alb- a great album it's album. a great song yeah um Ah, see, I hope that I hope that one day I get to, uh, in whatever way they want me to help my kids find some creative outlet. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've started to uh, mentor a couple of like high school students mm-hmm. who are looking to create records this year uh, yeah. through a program at the high school called Wise, wherein they get out of half of a year of English so that they have free time to mm-hmm. do a project that they're awesome. choosing, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. and so it's really it's really interesting they um one of one of the students emma is uh she just wants guidance on like the whole like how do you do the indie music thing like how mm-hmm. do you do an indie music release you know oh, that's everything cool. from and she and it's kind of awesome cuz she's kind of she's not a blank slate she's a great songwriter and she has a lot of concrete ideas mm-hmm. although she often undersells herself but um she wants yeah, she wants guidance on on every on every aspect of it. So okay. I have to like I had to like really take a macro scope mm-hmm. and like think like okay when I'm when I'm doing a release like what are all of the things? There's a lot that I have to think about. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. Artists There's, are responsible for a lot of things they weren't for a long it's, for a long it's time. It's freeing, but it's also yeah, it's very burdensome. Oh, totally. We were just yeah. talking about it um, with Emma uh, from Spazzar
1: how. Um, the so even just the social media component alone. Yeah. And doing a promotional, good promotional job for your release, it's is just
0: draining. Yeah. Absolutely. I hate it.
1: I can't stand it.
0: You can only do it in bursts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's until, you know, until you get a little bigger, you get more followers, it becomes justifiable to like find hire somebody, find to do somebody that for to you. you. Yeah. yeah.
1: And somebody that's strangely attracted to that world, which right. I am not. Right. My advice to you please is uh Never impose your own vision on their creativity. Definitely. And I have been guilty of that. And I've had to learn not to do that. Um, As a producer, it's really tough to do that. And I've learned specifically through this project, it's hers. Mm -hmm. It's hers. And uh, a lot of times I have to learn, I've had to learn to let go of that. And I think that really kind of propelled her into a sense of identity for herself. And I'm proud of that.
0: That's great. Yeah, you yeah. should. That's a huge like that. That's a huge parenting win. You know, yeah. that's a uh, thanks. Aside from a musical win. Uh took a
1: little know. took a little time for me to learn that one, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> well it's
0: all it's all a learning process, man, mm. you know. Yes. Yeah. There is no manual. There's no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 funny because I didn't want people pushing creative vision on me when right. I was a kid, and that was the point, right? That's right. what I was looking for is freedom to do that and I was doing it.
0: <laughs> that's right. No. Nah. It's like Dude, well yeah. that's what you, so I wrote a song called Wormhole and uh-huh. on the kid stuff EP and that's exactly what that song is about because it's mm. a, it's about finding yourself mm. in a position of authority that you as a kid would have felt antagonized by and like having a sudden moment of realization. You know, like you fall through a wormhole and end up. I need to listen as to a this. kid. Yeah, um, <laughs> out everywhere you stream music. No, um, John, this has yeah. been really amazing. I, so I always um, finish up with a question, okay. Which is, um, if you could say, if you could go back in time mm-hmm. um, and not worry about time paradox or anything like that, mm-hmm. so it's very physically safe, um, and say something to your your former self, your your teenage self. What would it be? You're loved and valuable. Mm.
1: Um, What you have to offer is good. Nice. Um, Because I didn't believe that. I I was very depressed and uh, alone uh, in my school experience because I didn't feel like I fit at all. Um, In fact, I was always trying to prove myself. Yeah. Um, And I lost myself because I was trying to prove myself. Sure. Um, So uh, now... I feel very comfortable not having to prove myself, mm-hmm. and I actually enjoy making stuff again. In fact, I'm better at it now because, because of that. Um, I don't feel like I have to prove myself to people anymore, and that's that's been immensely freeing. Yeah. Uh, so I would tell myself that.
0: That's great. Yeah. That's such great advice. I think so many kids, it's so, so, so easy, um, especially in your teen years and those early teen years, to fall into that hole of... Um, not feeling like you have an inherent value, or right. or or to feel like you have to constantly run and climb and jump to prove yourself to people. absolutely. So, yeah. um, great advice, John. Yeah. This has been a real pleasure. Thank Same. you so much for doing this, man. Thanks for having me in your classroom. Yeah, yeah. teach. <laughs> <laughs>